See, it's a tradition. We already it's got her laughing, though. We got her laughing. We have a very special guest today. I got a laugh very right special. out of the gate. Who is it, Angie? Today we have my counselor. Amen. God Lanita. bless her. Lanita. Yay. Lanita, before Yay. we start, I want to personally thank you for helping my wife because she is a new woman. She's in yeah. the process, obviously, of continuing her therapy. Yes. But I just personally thank you. So come on, give her a round of applause, Yay. guys. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Sorry. Thank you. I did. I did warn Lanita. She's very professional. I sent her. I said, if you want to watch, professional? No, no, she's in a. We're in a horrible. Place. We're not professional at all. Yeah. So I sent her the the link, and I was like, if you have time to look at it, you know, here it is. Just want to warn you that my husband's very silly and likes to and, have a good time. And before we get into Lanita, because Lanita, we're thankful. I'm thankful you're here for Angie. Yes. I'm thankful for all that Clint Davis and his office has done for our church. But yes. before we get into that, mm-hmm. let's go back to our Spanish lesson. Oh, we have to make this one disclaimer. Because we started this last week, and I, you corrected me now because she's a Spanish. She, you know, okay, she has so a degree in Spanish and a degree my minors, in biology. My minor's in Spanish. Okay, yeah. so the last time we were here, you kept you were just building me up, honey. I bless you. Cause you know, you know words are my love language. I'm horrible at it. I am a horrible husband. But, but you I'm were all over it. it last time we were on air, and you were saying caballero chic. Because <laughs> we, we Scott, do you I, remember I, that? I Googled it. I, did I not Google it? And it was yes. wrong. No, but no, but what was <laughs> what? wrong, and he was so loud and expressive and excited, he kept saying caballero, and caballero means gentleman, so he was saying gentleman chic. <laughs> and I, I wasn't was even, I was not even paying Lanita, attention. So when I went back Lanita and listened, I was, like, already. I was like, wait a minute, it's vaquero chic. Vaquero chic. Vaquero. Remember, she looked like a cowboy, cowboy when she came in yeah. here last yeah. year. Yeah, per she yeah, yeah, she had so the friend. Vaquero chic. Vaquero. Yeah. He said French. Yeah, there my was bad. No so you were Cowboy chic. So I had to correct okay. that for all of our bilingual people out there. That yeah, we didn't want them. They, you said no I was one. bilingual, and I'm like, well, you know what? We didn't even get that right. So <laughs> that was multiple times. You are bilingual. I'm just saying we had it wrong multiple times. Yeah, but show. it's okay because you're you're getting back in the flow. Just to brag on you once again before yeah. we move in to Lydia, this is very important. Okay, you're helping tutor. Danny, uh-huh. what did he get on his Spanish quiz? He made a 92. And wow. he was not doing well. So yeah. there you go. So there I felt really good go. about it. I was yeah. like, okay, All I guess I'm I can be a tutor. I'm just yeah. celebrating Look at the you wins. conjugating them birds. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> All right, now okay, let's so get into Lanita. Let's, let, let's talk to Lanita for just a minute. Oh, so <laughs> can you... <laughs> She's Lenita, like, are you already like, are you nervous because you're with this? Uh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> good. All right, good. Because she should be nervous. I'm with a social here, so. worker by trade. So I'm <laughs> oh, good. you know, you've dealt with crazy people situation. like me before, so no problem. <laughs> okay, so just tell us a little bit about who you are. Like, tell us about your family, where you came from. Uh, I am Lanita Proctor. I'm originally from Texas. What part of Texas? Northeast Texas. Okay. You go to the end of the earth and you take a left, and that's where my hometown is. All right. Okay. I love Texas, um, so I'm down with that. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. And then I lived in New York, Manhattan, for um, thir- 13 years. Wow. And then came back. Hold on. So let's go there. Hold on, Lanita, because this is like we're working. <laughs> 13 years is a right long now. time. So why did you move to New York, and what did you do in New York? I worked in investment banking in New York. Wow. <laughs> See, this yeah. is why a podcast. Isn't Most investment people don't banking? know. It. Now, did y'all know this as I our counselor? I knew because we just got to know well, each other. Well, that's what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm getting to, so That's it, a big jump. Yeah. So my it, it's an interesting story. So like my undergrad is in business. I got okay. my undergrad in business at A&M Commerce. Okay. And then I left. I worked in Dallas for a little bit with J.P. Morgan, and then I went up to New York and worked wow. with J.P. Morgan, and then I went to work for the Germans, Deutsche Bank. Wow. For many, many years. Deutsche. 
And then um, what's funny is like after 08, when the financial crisis was happening, um, there were a lot of layoffs and I was always able to have a job. Um, But I started doing some volunteer work on the side with um, a local outreach um, veteran organization. That's cool. Because my dad's a Vietnam vet. Yeah, my dad is too. Oh, perfect. There you go. As is mine. We have three Vietnam vets. There you go. Um, and so I was volunteering, doing some marketing with them. And one day I was staying around with them. I was like, you, you guys seem like you really love your jobs. I was like, what do y'all do? And they're like, we're social workers. And I was like, wow. oh, that's great, man. I wish I could do that. And they typical social worker response. Right. They were like, yes, you can. You can do <laughs> of that. Of course you can. And so, um, I started applying to grad school and my, my dad, my parents are much older. And so they were getting up in age. And so it was difficult to kind of fly back and forth. Right. And so... Came home, went to SFA, got my master's in social work, and um, married a Louisiana boy. <laughs> there you go. That's where you went wrong, right there. That's, that's where you went very wrong. Very right. Very right. Once you marry a Louisiana boy, boy you ain't leaving. Yeah, that's it. You're stuck. It's like sorry. Yeah. Totally. quicksand. So sorry. <laughs> oh, it's that's okay. fascinating. God kind of brought me here. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, found Clint shortly out there after he was. An army veteran, yep. and he uh, was doing counseling. I was like, "You are my spirit animal." <laughs> right, that is awesome. <laughs> you know, and so the rest is history, and here we are. So, thirteen years are. though in investment banking in New York City. Do you have any funny, unusual, weird story about Ooh. New York? Because Angie, you're, Rebecca lived in New York. My too. sister, my younger did you know sister that lived her sister lived while. in New York? I, I, think, I think we, we might have mentioned, mentioned that. Yeah. As counselors, we need to go through this. I'm okay. making sure that we continue <laughs> this therapy. <laughs> You like that? I do. I like that. I think the funniest thing is when I got up there, I was I was so hungry for biscuits and gravy. Oh, and I looked everywhere, and you would think the foodie capital of the world would Mm. have biscuits and gravy, but they didn't have like the kind of biscuits and gravy we have down here, and like Mm -hmm. they kind of faked it, and it was just like. Mm-mm. Still haven't quite found it. You hey, got to go to the South for that. Yes. Hey, where, I don't think anybody knows how to do that. Where were we that we saw that one restaurant that was just biscuits and gravy? Remember we were leaving? I just remember we were driving down and, I, and they were lined out the door. Wasn't it in downtown Dallas right there by Deep Ellum? Probably. And it was like biscuits. Maybe it, and so. they created a restaurant. And I was like, yeah. you get in other successful. parts of the world, that's going to be very successful. Yeah. Because, man, that's some good stuff. So you're a good Southern girl. You got it. Yes, she is. She definitely is. Texas, you know, now Louisiana. Now tell us about your husband real fast. What's he do? What's Uh, he is in the army, of course. There you go. (laughs) He's been in. Thank you for our veterans. Yes, Yes. he's been in a long time. He's done it all: active, the guard, reserves. He's in the reserves right now. He's a lieutenant colonel. Oh, he's big, man. Um, He's been on up. He's been there a long time. His side gig is um, he works for AT&T. So he... My dad did as well. Okay. (laughs) He was Air Force, though. My dad was Air Force. Mm. Wow. Um, He got his degree in electrical engineering at Northwestern many years ago. And so that's kind of been his side hustle while he does his Army thing. So Side hustles, AT&T is not a bad thing. (laughs) Good night. And y'all been married how long? Uh, Oh, come on, Anita. (laughs) Four years. <laughs> See, four there years. you go. Come on, four years. Baby so. on the way. And they're young. And you man. have another you one. T- yes. How old is your other one? He's, He's six. Six. Yeah, six. Yeah. You got six years old. You got weeks. She's with child. Oh, yeah. And Do you a got, July. <laughs> yeah, she went and tra- she pointed, you know. I'm just saying, like I said, love and babies. She's with child. I love you babies. You already so should I'm know so this. I'm excited for her. Scott, you definitely know this. Jordan, oh, you know, absolutely. he has a mic. It doesn't work, but you know, you love babies. Yes. Well, Nita knows. 
She's a nurturer by nature. So while we have four dogs in our house, do, can I start this counseling right now? Sure, yeah. go for it. Because Lenita, I was <laughs> against this. Okay, I have my dog. We had pumpkin to have babies. And then Angie, mouth to mouth, resuscitated. <laughs> this is the truth. I, it I, is true. I can't make this <laughs> up. True. And then she looked at me with all sincerity. I said, "We're not. We got two. That's it." But, but Justin, I brought her back to life. Right? True the or right. no? Okay. So then I just submit. We have three. My mutiny. Hell, children, look at us then, because there's a boy left over, too. And they said, Daddy looks just like you. They tried to go into my soul. He looked just like him as a puppy. He went, they went into my soul. So we have four dogs. I'll be calling you next week. <laughs> Wait, he look, I don't think he looks like you. He did when he was a puppy. We had blue eyes, wrinkly Big face, head, blue big eyes. Head. That's he all does have a, Yeah, he's got a big head and blue eyes. But he but is the sweetest He doesn't look one. like he him now. He is so sweet, He though. is the sweetest one. So like we lost our minds for a little while. And a little life. while? <laughs> we still have <laughs> lost our minds. I mean, we minds. still have. Because yeah. nothing stays clean. No. no. Now all you need is a donkey. No, we're I, not I going want a baby donkey one day, but we're Lanita, not going into that. Please Let's... continue to work. Through. I will pay you extra on the side to get her <laughs> off the donkey thing. Because she is wanting this donkey, and you're not getting a donkey. I want like a little baby donkey one day. Julie no. wants a donkey as well. Okay, Lanita, let's get okay. into what we're here to talk about, because I do not want to get sidetracked. So with. you've been a counselor now for how long? Um, I got my master's in 17, and I've been working since then. So about okay. four years. And you really specialize, correct me, what is your specialty? So primarily trauma. That's okay. what really got me into grad school. So all of my research was on veterans and trauma and whatnot. And so primarily it's going to be like trauma and then also sex addiction. I'm trained in that. And then also EMDR. Okay, so let me go through both real fast. And then because we're going to get into yours, but this in case somebody's listening. And we've worked with Clint for a long time now, mm -hmm. been a long time friend helped out a lot of our staff a lot of the people that go to our church when you have sex addiction and trauma when you talk about sex addiction men and women going through this counseling with you or do you focus primarily on men how does that work if somebody because i know we have some support groups even in our church if somebody's listening it's not as unusual as you may think give them a little bit of information on that before we spend the majority of our time on trauma on sex addiction yes because yeah. a lot of people don't really understand, and there's kind of these, you know, misnomers about it. and It's it's like an addiction, like almost any other addiction, but it's specifically where there's a, any kind of preoccupation, obsession, or, or compulsion with any type of problematic sexual behavior. So that could be porn, swinging, multiple affairs, um, you know, acting out, emotional affairs, love addiction, that's a thing too. Okay, so in that, that's why I said men and women. Can men and come. women both, yeah. Okay, and do you do you counsel both? I counsel both. Good, that's yeah. good. The only reason I say that, if somebody's knowing Lenita is another person you could call, we can help you out to try to figure that out. And then I had I went apart uh, this past week. Our life group moved so that the sex addiction group could be in the office this week. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just always encouraged when people are taking steps to get better. And then to know that you have someone like Lenita who's oh willing to gosh, help is like yes. a huge thing and in the clinton davis office how many counselors are specialized in sex addiction we got clint ross and oh, we have some pastoral sex addiction okay. counselors that's andy and then Hasim, i believe Hasim and natasha were working on their cert, uh, okay. certified sex addiction oh. thing as well so you got three or four or five so, and that's then awesome me, and then there's whitney in the community as yeah. well um but we've all kind of done that yeah. same training mm -hmm. program 
See, there you go. I'm trying to educate yeah. Angie. Somebody's okay. listening. They got to know. So That's then good your good other good question. I learned about love addiction. I didn't even know that was an addiction. That's a thing. Huh. Yeah, we can't get into that because Scott. Well, I'm not wanting to get in. I'm just saying I didn't know it was a thing. No, I'm saying that me and you, are, unfortunately, we're ADD. We would probably chase every oh, yeah, rabbit down yeah. the road. Yeah. Well, but, we have somebody here who's really knowledgeable, so yes, it's easy to true. want to ask her yes. everything. And so then now, trauma is your other specialty. Mm-hmm. So this is why you got involved with my beautiful wife, my yeah. sweet esposa, <laughs> Michika. Thank you, honey. So tell me. Uh, so basically, I called the office and I said, who specializes in childhood trauma? Because we had some issues in our family. Our, like we mentioned last time during our yeah. last thing, mm-hmm. you know, not our our family of five, but our, my extended family that were happening like in real time. And I needed somebody with that type of knowledge. And somebody told me Lanita. So that's uh, how I got with her. All right. So Lanita. <laughs> so, so I walk into the office uh-huh. and I just said, Hey, Lanita, <laughs> I'm Angie <laughs> and I'm fine, but my family's really messed up. So can you help me? All right. The reason I wanted to stop right there is define trauma. Oh, good question. Because yeah. you know, like when she says that, we all kind of we kind of know these things, but like, or we don't know them. But I mean, somebody we may have an opinion, mm-hmm. but I'd rather somebody goes, "Well, how do I know if I had trauma or not?" Mm-hmm. Trauma is anything to to quote Clint a little bit. Trauma is anything that's not nurturing. Okay. Um, so you're gonna have things like big T trauma, which is what a lot of people are very familiar with, like your hurricanes, your your rape, your domestic violence, car accidents, what have you. But then you have little t traumas, which are things that are seem small at the time, but maybe they're repeated, but they add up over time. Mm. So you could have a bunch of little t traumas, like say, for example, you're getting, you know, maybe you get a message as a child, you know, I'm not important or I'm not good enough. And then you get the same message maybe in your school or your church or your community. And that just kind of adds up over time to be a big t trauma. Um, but <clears throat> your post-traumatic stress disorder which a lot of people associate with trauma is technically a you know a single event um, but you also have complex PTSD which can be like a bunch of multiple events so say like you're a prisoner of war over time right you know, that's not just going to be PTSD that's going to be like complex PTSD okay so I just went to a class and uh, so through his tra- his through, chaplain, through training. chaplain training and they say that there's a movement, and I'm just clarifying that it's to PTSI as opposed to disorder. It's an injury. Now, the reason this is interesting to me, and the reason I'm asking is post-traumatic stress injury. Because people, I guess, and this is why I'm asking, I don't understand this. Disorder kind of throws people off, but mm-hmm. when you feel like it was an injury, particularly in the military, it's not like you have a disorder. I mean, you were injured, and an injury has a different connotation or a different outlook by the community as opposed to like he has a, or she has a disorder. Does that make any sense? Is that kind of what's going on or do they, do you know anything about that? Yeah. There's, there's a few people that have a a problem with that word. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm new to all this. So as far as understanding that, uh, I'm trying to understand because how do you define then post traumatic stress disorder? So it's basically <clears throat> when you go through a situation and you start having symptoms of it could be flashbacks, nightmares, emotional detachment, intrusive thoughts, um, and they don't go away. Sometimes they do go away. Right. I have seen it go away with a few clients, but sometimes they stick around for a really, really long time. And there can also be like uh, hypervigilance. Uh, they can vary to different degrees uh, depending on the triggers that 
kind of bring the symptoms up. And sometimes they can be kind of quiet for a while, and then sometimes they can flare up again. You know, say, for example, you have a trauma anniversary, like the anniversary of your car accident or whatever that might be. You might have some bad triggers and flashbacks that day. Yeah, so, and talk about your, because I mean... This would make sense for me because... Have you been diagnosed with PTSD? No. No, I don't... No, she's never told me I have that. I've never been diagnosed with that, but I really don't know. But what what had happened to me was a lot of events... I would definitely say you had a lot of trauma. (laughs) In my lifetime, yeah. Yes. I I mean, from what you've told me and shared with me, and we shared some last time, but in case someone didn't listen to that one... Well, domestic violence was a big... Yes. ...was a big one for me. And for our family. So when you go through something like that, I never thought of it as PTSD, but maybe you did. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on the symptoms that are kind of presenting at the time. Mm-hmm. you know. And so for me, I think there was so much going on in the world and in our family and then in our personal family that I, I think it was, I don't know if it was, I just tanked. Basically, I couldn't handle anything anymore. And I did have a lot of um, just really negative thoughts that just got worse and worse and worse. And when it came to like my social uh, anxiety, it just flared up out of control at that time. So talk about that then, Lanita. Like if someone has experienced trauma Mm -hmm. in an Angie situation, she began to experience social anxiety or whatever. What is associated with trauma typically as far as behavior that is alarming or should cause cause, or you may go, man, I need to get some help on this. Yeah, I think it's, it's all in how the trauma affects you because everybody's a little bit different. Everybody has different resiliency levels. Everybody's raised in different households, you know, but I think, you know, when you have prolonged experiences over time that basically take you out of your window of tolerance, Um, which is your ability to cope with certain things. So say, for example, you know, I think we've talked about the car example, like somebody puts their brakes on in front of you real quick. And for that brief second, you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you break. And for that one second, maybe you're frozen or you're freaking out or what have you. But then once you realize you're okay, you bounce back into your window of tolerance. You're like, oh, it's good. I can breathe. We're fine. Okay. I can relax. Mm -hmm. Some people are never able to get back into that window of tolerance. And so that's where you start having, you can have physiological effects like your cortisol, you know, is raised over time. Your adrenaline stays a little high. You're maybe in a constant state of anxiety, kind of high or low, depending on the situation. And that's, you know, that's kind of an indicator right there. The other thing, though, is that some people don't even realize that. I've had a lot of people come in my office and I'm like, so what do you do to relax? And they're like, what's that? Right. <laughs> Never relaxed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason I bring it up is because like you knew some, some family situations, uh, basically correct me if I'm wrong, Angie. Yeah. I'm, I'm pushed just... you to the place where you were like, I got to do something about this. Cause I'm not right. I'm thawed. That's my definition. Thawed is <laughs> off. <laughs> right. O-F-T. Yeah. Right? Right. Okay, because I'm going back to, and then you went and got counseling, which I'm telling someone out there, they're listening. Yeah. If you don't feel right and you don't feel like you can get back into a rhythm of whatever normal is, it's good to go get help. Yes. (laughs) Well, and honestly, like I went to her for several sessions initially, and I was like, "Ah, I'm okay. And she had touched a little bit about my past, so she knew that I had 
some stuff in there <laughs> that probably need to be dealt with. But she was like, okay, well, you know, I have a lot of patients that'll, or clients that'll, months later will go, hey, <laughs> can I, you know. See, Lenita, I, I was see? at home with her and I was going, yeah. I think it's time to get some counseling. Yeah. <laughs> But I guess I, I guess I guess I had jumped back in my level of tolerance or whatever, and then. But I could tell you months later. Yeah, but I, I mean, she may have felt she was. Yeah. But as a partner for twenty three years, I'm looking at her going, "Honey, I don't know that you're doing so well." Yeah. Which that's where I admired you because you received that. Some people are like, "I ain't gonna don't tell me that. I'm not gonna do that." Where, mm-hmm. you know, you got to have somebody to be honest with you, whether that's in the workplace, which we've Scott, we could we could go there with you if you'd like. Sure. But it's very similar. Scott was going through stuff, and we were going, hey, bro, I don't think you're straight. I think you and need to I go wasn't. get it. I wasn't. And lots of counseling. And me. I'm going back to our office so I could go workplace, and then I could go home. The mm-hmm. reason I'm doing this is true friendship, true love, friend love, spouse love is like going, hey, I love you enough to go. I don't know that it's right right now. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to go talk to somebody. And what I'm thankful for Simple Church in is that – we talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the majority of our staff is in counseling. The majority of the people that are in our staff have referred to counseling and pay for people to go counseling and try to go. It's a healthy part of mm-hmm. working through it. So, Scott, you want to give kind of your perspective of, of the trauma and then kind of what led you to it, too, and then we'll come back to you because mm-hmm. it's kind of both yeah. in the sense this is kind of a workplace thing and then this is kind of a home thing. Yeah, well, I have childhood trauma myself and then just – you know, obviously, I'm an alcoholic, so that was a factor that I was unaware of. I was even unaware that I was an alcoholic. And then once stopping all that, you know, obviously, I had kind of a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, luckily, I work in a great work environment. And plus, too, with the relationships that have built up over the years, it's like, hey, you're not yourself. Mm-hmm. And so then it's so then I went to counseling and got EDMR therapy and yeah, it's just a benefit because it helps me feel normal. But the other side of that is through that counseling, I know when I am off and when I need to go back or get mm-hmm. kind of like a tune-up. Yeah, like a tune-up. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then you, you learn all the techniques. But plus, too, the other side of it is like I have depression and I have deep depression. But the counseling, through counseling, it's given me the tools I don't go to that dark place anymore. Mm-hmm. I still have depression. And I still have days that it's sure. not good, but mm-hmm. I don't ever go to the super dark place anymore. I'm able to have the tools and the skills. And of course, it took years of counseling. Like it wasn't just I went a couple of times. It was like, yay. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it was years and years and years of therapy and putting the work in on my end as well to help, you know, to learn not to go to that place anymore. Yeah. Well, I will say I had never really, my sister who's passed away now struggled for, since she was young, I mean, preteen, teenage years with depression. And I watched her walk through that and never really understood. I remember one time distinctly driving in the car with her. I was in the back seat. She was driving in the front seat and she just started bawling in the back seat for no reason. I mean, there wasn't even any talking going on and it was just she was just in a really dark part of depression and she was treated I think somewhat for it later but I didn't really understand it I mean I had empathy for her for it but when I walked through this past year I experienced it for the first time there was I had so much anxiety um, that my heart rate was even uh, disrupted and then just a feeling of 
like deep sadness and I think I told you when I uh, when I came in I told them I came in to see you I said I'm just empty like I have nothing left in me and that was the first time I really had experienced that and for me I'm, I'm thankful for it now because I have a new um a new understanding or new appreciation or empathy for those who are suffering with, with depression because it's almost like you're it, if someone says oh just it's okay just get better it's a beautiful day you know you're think of all the good things in your life it's like yeah no but it's almost like it's almost hurtful to hear that because you're in such a dark place and you don't want to be in that dark place but you can't get out all right so Lenita, now you're the expert talk about that <laughs> Well, I, I think those are two really great examples. I mean, it's ultimately, it's not, it's not character, it's chemistry, right? I mean, there's so much going on with us in our brain, uh, body, mind, spirit, you know, that add to that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it, for those suffering that, you know, don't know how to get out of that hole. I mean, you, you don't have to suffer. You know? Yeah. So I called Lenina and I said, get me on your schedule because... <laughs> Ed had been a while since I'd seen her. I was like, let's get me every other week because I'm serious now. Let's go on the deep dive. So she said, come on. And she said, "Let's. you want to do some EMDR? We had talked about it before, maybe even done a session or two. But um, she said, let's do it. So can you tell us what EMDR is and how that helps in trauma cases? Yeah. You know, if or there's another way, reason why you use it, just if you let us know. Sure. Um, okay, it's kind of an interesting story about how EMDR came about. Uh, it stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing, <laughs> which is a EMDR, right. which is a fancy way of saying we can reprocess traumatic memories. Okay. And so basically the, the lady that discovered this um, was several years ago and she, something had happened, I'm not sure what, but she was really distraught. <clears throat> I think she went to a park and she was walking around trying to collect her thoughts and just wrap her head around whatever it was that had just hit her. And she realized her eyes were moving back and forth, left and right. And that strangely, she felt a little bit better. And she was like, this is kind of strange. I just found out dot, 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 but I'm doing this weird thing and I feel a little bit better. And so she was very academic at the time. I think she was a teacher in Brooklyn and she was working on a bunch of PhDs. She's highly intelligent. And so she started looking into it, and she started looking into REM sleep cycles, because that's what we do every night with our eyes, when we lay down and we, and we get into a deep sleep. And she realized that that's kind of a way that we process the day. You know, like if you've ever had any weird dreams, you wake up and you're like, what was that about? Sure. You know, it was probably your brain trying to work through and process some of the stuff, you know, from the day. Um, and so she started doing research, and, and that's how she kind of stumbled upon this this type of treatment. Um, she started working with um, single um, sexual assault survivors. She started working with Vietnam vets. The interesting thing about the Vietnam vets <coughs> is that she noticed they were getting a lot of REM sleep, yet they still weren't able to uh, work through a lot of their experiences. And so what she started doing was, you know, being an academic and a researcher, she just started waving her fingers in front of their eyes and working on processing some memories, and it worked. It was super so helpful. So fascinating. It is. <laughs> so what does it do to the brain? I got questions, but I was going ahead. <laughs> Let's go with that one. I'll come back. Well, because <laughs> I know you want to know that. It's okay. Okay, so it's eye movement, but it does what? Okay. I, so 
<coughs> before I jump into that, I want to kind of lay a little foundation here so it'll make a little bit more sense. You know, for years we've talked about talk therapy. Just talk it out. Just talk it out. You'll be fine. And for some people that works great, but right. for a lot of people it doesn't. And this is where EMDR becomes very super helpful in that sense. Because if you look at trauma in the brain, and I'm going to hold up my fist here so y'all can kind of have a visual okay. <laughs> of the brain. This is That's your about the size of Scott's, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little smaller. Well, Anita's a small woman, so her yeah. hand is small. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm only oh, joking, just filling Scott. On, Sorry. In the, in the listeners. Yeah, go ahead. So this is the, you know, the front part of your brain right here. This is your thinking brain, your reasoning brain. And this is the part of the brain they're trying to use when they're doing talk therapy. However, when you have a traumatic experience, and I'm going to go with like a car accident example. You know, count those big T traumas sure. for now. But like I said before, you don't forget about those little T traumas that add up. But if you look, if you go down to the brainstem and you get back here, there's a little gland back here called your amygdala. And that's where the sensory pieces of your trauma are stored. So if you've been in that car accident, like the sights, the smells, the sounds, um, all of that, that gets stored back here. And basically, you know, <clears throat> um, when you have a car accident, your whole body is shifting into a different physiological state. It's not I'm calm and, and you know, peaceful. It's, you know, fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. And so it, it, these sensory pieces get stored as fragments. And so... You know, the next time you hear a car backfire or, you know, you smell gasoline or, or exhaust, your brain is going to go right here. Sure. And this thing's going to light up like a Roman candle. And your whole brain and body is going to be like, oh, I've been here before. Get ready. Mm. And you cannot access this front part of your brain. It shuts down. And wow. so that's why that top-down approach doesn't work very well. What EMDR does is it helps you go right back here to this stuff. The sensory pieces, which is actually kind of where the emotional significance of the event is held. And it helps you begin to pull that out and process that. If any of that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, does. it does. I was just going to go back to, this is interesting. I didn't even tell you this, I don't think, because we've had so much going on. So we go to our chaplain training in Frisco, where I really appreciate the two trainers, is they both had gone through trauma. Okay, so they were very um, strong proponents of EMDR. They were also proponents of helping chaplains understand, like these are all f about 40 people from all over the U.S., and they're kind of coming in working through all this. But what was fascinating is um, the gentleman, he uh, talked about his trauma, and it was uh, his father was killed. He was a, a line-of-duty uh, death. Uh, his father was a sheriff, and, and he went back through – for years, they were trying to do talk therapy, and then here's the Christian part of it, which sometimes I don't like Christians, but pray for me, okay? So I'm working through that. <laughs> Justin, As, do. Yeah, sometimes, though, they over-spiritualize things, and he came from a pretty over-spiritualized background that was just pray through it. You're going to be all right. We're going to get through this. God's going to get you. Where I appreciate his transparency was like, and this is what I try to say at Simple Church and try to, you know, talk about is that God's a systems God, that everything's based on systems. So just like you're explaining the brain and that's a system of the way things are processed, it's like, yes, God, there's a spiritual side of healing and a mm -hmm. spiritual side of restoration. But so often in my 52 years on this planet and going through all this other stuff, they leave out your part. They like, just pray about it. <laughs> Go get some exercise. You know, maybe you need to sleep better. And 
And true, those are two components. That would be the physical side and the spiritual side, but the psychological or the emotional or the, you know I'm saying, mm -hmm. uh, all of that gets left out. So that's why I'm so mm -hmm. fascinated by it mm -hmm. because there are systems in place that they've learned that God's not against that once we've figured that out and worked through those things that it's a way to get better. And this guy was a great example. His wife was a great example. And he was trying to explain it to all those chaplains because they were from a spiritual background, most of the people in the room. So they kind of looked at them because they had not had a wife who had been through counseling. or mm -hmm. And they're like, and some of the people in the room, there was a policeman, for example, uh, from Nebraska. He was involved in the Omaha shooting. Well, he had obviously experienced a lot of trauma, but did not know how to process I wasn't going to go into that. I have no training. I know nothing, but I'm looking at him going, hey, brother, you need to go probably talk that out. You mm -hmm. need to also get into some EMDR. You need to probably go work. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the church sometimes doesn't you know, encourage that, where I'm saying I appreciate what you're doing and you being transparent to share your stories because if you're listening and you know someone that's – I think of all the doctors and nurses in our community. Oh, Two years goodness. of COVID – and the trauma of the death that they had to endure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think of all the first responders. I think of so many family members that are not in the medical field, but went through the trauma of not being able to see their loved one mm -hmm. and not being able to process that. And or lost someone. Lost someone of whatever. There's yeah. just all of the things that have happened in our culture, mm -hmm. how important it is to be able to talk about it and kind of explain it in a very simplistic way. We're not going into the deep stuff, but I'm very thankful because you got to have formats like this to go, now what is that? Mm -hmm. And what if I'm feeling this? And what did it do? And let's talk about, uh, we'll go maybe a little bit more into what it is after this. You have experienced, Angie, mm -hmm. EMDR, and Scott, you have experienced mm -hmm. EMDR. So talk about your experience, Angie, of what did it do for you from your side, from the patient's side, mm -hmm. what did it help you with? And then we'll make sure Lanita kind of explains why or unpack that a little bit more. Okay, that's a good question. Um, I got to be honest, when I first, when you first introduced it to me, I thought, how can those buzzers in my hands? Okay, so explain that real fast, because it's <laughs> eye movement, or she's saying buzzer in her hands, you can actually hold... Uh, like a, a machine. Yeah, they... Because um, I don't want to be confused because yours is by, it wasn't by eyes, yours was by the hands. The whole thing that it's doing is it's engaging the left brain and the right brain. You've got two hemispheres of the brain. Mm -hmm. And your left side is very logical, but your right side is very emotional. Mm -hmm. So when you have those traumatic events, you're kind of getting stuck over here. And if you've ever been in, you know, a highly emotional situation, you know, you probably can't speak. You probably can't get the words to describe yeah. what is going on with you. And so the crazy thing about EMDR is what it does is you start engaging each side of that brain by holding buzzers. Mm -hmm. Or you can do the fingers or the light bar. Okay. I also have headphones. <clears throat> um, and what that's doing is it's saying, hey, left brain, hey, right brain, let's start talking and processing. And it kind of opens this communication line. So that they can begin to work together. And, mm -hmm. and like, as you'll probably talk about, we do that for a couple of minutes. We think about, you know, the images we see, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'm helpless, I'm powerless, and where we feel it in the body. And I'll stop every two minutes or so, and I'll say, you know, what do you got? And that gives you a chance to kind of verbalize stuff. Yeah. What's interesting about that is, like, the language centers of our body are over here on the left side. And so you're you're having more control with this process than just laying down and going to sleep at night. Mm. So, yeah. So, 
so when when we first okay we're gonna do it i was like okay so because it sounds a little weird it does sound a little weird it's like okay <laughs> i mean I got if you a, don't know anything in one hand and, and the other but then the logical side of me is like okay well i know science and so i'm i i recognize that it's going to activate activate both sides of my brain so then i said when i went back to her the second time i'm like i'm all in i'm all in so i'm like okay i'm taking a deep breath and i'm in i'm going to believe i'm going to trust in this process and see how it goes i'm gonna give it my all and so then I just really tried to dig deep. And as she would guide the memory of, she, you know, like she asked me, which memory do you want to work and on? And it's a traumatic memory. It's a traumatic memory. That you're going back to. And we've worked on several. But she said, let's, you start with maybe one that's smaller, less, like a smaller T, like she was uh, mentioning. And you visualize that memory in detail as traumatic as it may be to recall and she'll kind of walk you through it a little bit and the whole time your hands are buzzing and then you just kind of close your eyes and think it through and then at the end of the two minute time she'll say okay how are you feeling you know like where are you feeling that or and then we'll go again and it's it's just kind of making you look through that whole memory and for me I feel like in one of the exercises when we did it's like I held one thought in one and one in the other Mm -hmm. And for me, it was that was a really good one for me because I felt empowered again from a memory that I felt very um, weak and unempowered, powerless. Um, at the end of the process, I had this relief in my chest and like a like I felt empowered. All right, so Lanita, before that goes on, because. She's kind of vague. I don't know if you want to tell. I'm not going to. I don't want to talk. Yeah, so I'm saying uh, is if you have this event. Yeah. And she's saying she's relieved. What happens to relieve the release? Is it the questions you're asking that you're getting them to think about that differently and they were unable to think about that differently? It's the bilateral stimulation. So what you're you're doing is, you know, you're like I said, you can't do this top down approach. You have to do this bottom up approach. So by pulling out those sensory fragments, <clears throat> you're, you're engaging the logic with the emotion to make sense of the situation. The kicker with all this is that this part of the brain doesn't know it's over. So you're basically teaching. Stuck. Yeah, you're stuck. And so you're pulling this out so the brain knows that it's over. Yeah, it's over. You can let it go. Right. Yeah. And so what's crazy is like, you know, kind of going back to that car accident, like images start to get distant and fuzzy and real quiet physical sensations go away um we link a positive cognition with it now i have control now i have power and the disturbance level of that memory goes down mm-hmm. and it it could be anybody i'm going back if it's a military situation it's a, a war situation or could be anything and it could be a stay-at-home mom that's having a traumatic situation with a child or a husband or whatever so it could be anything anything so that's why i'm trying to make sure because when there are people are listening i kind of know but i'm trying to think of someone who's going what, what are, are y'all what are talking, talking about? about? Yeah. Well, it's it, the the best thing about it is it's been around for so many years at this point. Yeah, I think point. it was starting like 1990 or she came yeah. up with it like in Once the 90s. she came out with it, you know, and she went and got her PhD in psychology and opened her own institute and the whole thing. Like all these other clinical communities started jumping on it and doing more research with it. And so there are like a bunch of different protocols now, a bunch of different ways to use it. They use it with children. They use it with grief. They use it with not awesome. just trauma. I, I do it with my addiction patients. Um, mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. All right, so yeah. Scott, let's go into you because yours, you, 
the reason we're going to say this, and you're okay sharing this, yes, I'm confident enough because we've talked about this before. But when Scott went into his M- EMDR, I said, well, he came back. You know, we're like, well, man, how was it? And he goes, I just cried like a baby. <laughs> I did. <laughs> That's Uncontrollably. Good. Right. Yeah, because I'm not a crier. And mine was the Pong game. It was the light going back and forth. And uh, I went into it as a skeptic because I'm like, what is this going to do? When am I, when I, when I mm-hmm. watching this? And I'm talking about snot, <laughs> tears. <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing because I wasn't emotional going into it. You know, I just went into it as a skeptic. And then I'm just and it. The the tears was kind of like Hondo or Honduras. Excuse me. It just came out of nowhere. Like. Like this feeling inside, and I just started to to weep in Marty's office uncontrollably. For, and it released your pain yeah, in and, many ways. And then that, that memory over time, or that event over time, is now when it was so much in the forefront of my mind now, I don't even think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm trying yeah. to go. It's that's giving you the two. desensitization piece, Yeah, it gives yeah. you two examples of, yeah. of still walking. It lessens that. the emotional you know, control and power it has over your life. And how long, so somebody's sitting out there and they're going, trauma could be abuse, it could be car wrecks, it could be anything, including, like you said, little T's, job loss, uh, spouse loss, you know, child loss. You could go through all of these different scenarios and all of us have experienced those things. Mm -hmm. And as they're going through, the key is I'm not doing well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you may have experienced that and you're doing okay, but especially to me, if someone who you love and respect goes, I don't think you're doing well. Mm-hmm. So I always say that if anybody said that to you, like, hey, are you okay or what's going on with mm-hmm. you? It's because they care about you and they love you. And they see that and they see that something's right. going on. That is when you should pick up the phone and call us so we can refer you to them or call Clint Davis directly. Because that's the steps to freedom mm-hmm. you know is to go hey I, it's gonna may take me a little while but i'm going to begin the journey to be better and so, how long does that take i know that's an open-ended question but it's varying for different people correct yeah it really depends on the person and some of the stuff they're going through and not everybody's ready for emdr yeah you know i've had some clients that have been seeing me for years that still aren't ready i have others that have heard about it and they come in and they're, they're gung-ho they're like let's hit it let's get yeah, sure like slow down right there's a process to prepare for this i mean i don't just throw anybody into sure. it you know there's a history taking we did a, a two or three sessions i mm-hmm. think on just history which mm-hmm. goes over family life work life relationships you name it and that is good prep because it begins to give you a chance to verbalize your past and talk about things and there are a lot of people that start talking and they're like, man, I haven't thought about that in years or, mm-hmm. you know, man, I forgot about that. And, you know, it's good to kind of get that yeah. out and, and see how that hits you as you're talking about it. Um, but you go through that and then you you want to work in some healthy regulation tools, some coping tools, and then you just want to see where they want to start. You know, do you want to start big? Do you want to start little? What is what is the biggest concern right now? What's What are you struggling with the most? Mm-hmm. The only reason I bring it up is I, I just, it's so many benefits to counseling. 
so many benefits to talking to someone else yeah. and then the tools and the resources are updated that are new and i know what it's done for all of my friends and my spouse and mm-hmm. my kids where we're working through all that and all of us as a group benefit it's like you can just tell that there's things going on but then on this other side i think of all of my friends that are going i ain't doing that <laughs> like they're not going to go talk to somebody they're not going to go get and i'm trying to make sure they understand everybody can benefit that there is something that you can pull out of that. And it's improved your life tremendously, Angie. Yes, tremendously. I'm so very, very grateful. And I, I've always been a proponent for, you know, um, mental health care. But I know there's a lot of people who haven't. Sure. It was taboo or years back. You know, they thought they didn't think highly of it. I think as time has progressed, people are way more accepting of it and understand that it really does benefit them. And as a Christian woman, like I love Jesus and I believe in his word and I know that what he says about me is true. And I still also believe that he has used therapy, EMDR, to help me Absolutely. Um, to get to a better place in my life. And it's not necessarily a Christian thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like EMDR can be used for anyone. You don't have to be a Christian to use this process. But, and I don't know if we want to even get delve this far, but part of EMDR is you have a safe place in your mind yeah. and you're in your heart where you need to go to get out of, how do yeah. you say that? Yeah, Explain to them what the safe place is because I can pull my personal spirituality into that part. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite part. Like as you're going through that preparation process, we put in a calm space. And a calm space is any place you've been that feels very peaceful, calm, and relaxing. And so I get a lot of beaches, mountains, valleys, oh, yeah. cabins in the wood. Um, but they can't be connected to anything detrimental. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. like, if it's a family vacation but Crazy Uncle Eddie was tormenting me, it's not going to work. Sure. Um, if it's Grandma's lap that she's deceased, that's not going to work. Right. It's going to bring up grief. It has to be pristine. And so it's a place we lock in with the bilateral stimulation and we give it a keyword. So when you say the word beach or mountain, you can kind of feel this shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'll just, I'm typically transparent on the show. <laughs> I can't tell you how many sweet texts I got from people thanking listen, me for, yeah. for being so transparent and open and vulnerable. I'm like, okay. But if it helps somebody, it helps me. So anyway, my safe word was peace. I was experiencing a lot of anxiety, and peace is a really good word for me. And my safe place was, and the, y'all are going to, I know this sounds it's with cheesy. With your husband, with the dog? <laughs> oh, no, that's trauma. No. <laughs> my bad. My safe place was at the feet of Jesus. It was, for me, that is the most safe and best place that I could possibly be with. Now so, you know why I love her. See, she just like. So, I was, yeah. was going to guess the beach. Yeah, no, like, yeah, like. <laughs> We got Jesus, bro. She just Jesus juked you, and there's no beach going to keep up with the J-Man, son. You're out. So I bring my spirituality, my love of Jesus, into the room with a woman I know that she loves Jesus, sure. too. But we do EMDR, and for me, that's my safe place. For some other client that she has, it may be the beach. Right. But so that's my safe place. That's where he comes in for me. And then 
changing the thoughts for me I had a lot of really negative thoughts and for me that is using God's word to replace those thoughts about the not being good enough that was a message that I have in my mind from wherever it came from renewing your mind you can go spiritual on yes and then that is the spiritual side because what he says is true but it's grasping onto that but I had to get to a place and I this is where I believe the EMDR helped me that I could believe that message I had gotten enough dug through enough that I could start really like literally taking that message in I always believed it as true and like I said I wouldn't be the person I am if I had not lived the last 25 years with Jesus learning about him and who he is and who he says that I am all that has made a huge difference in my life but I got to a new place where I needed to go back and get some help some deep help Lenita, do you want to add anything on that? <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> God, do you want to add anything? We're getting close to the end, believe it or not. We've already gone almost an hour. Well, let yeah. me just ask you this. Which is there is anything that you feel like you would like to say, either about counseling or about EMDR, that we did not miss, that you we don't want a listener to miss out on? I just wanted to like share a little statistics. You know, Of 100 people who have experienced trauma, one in four will experience PTSD. So mm. it's way higher than I think people realize. A yeah. lot of people just think it's veterans and, you know, extreme trauma. But, I mean. It can be anything. It can be anything. And like I said, mm. it's, if you if you look back on an experience, <clears throat> no matter what you think other people will think about it, if it still bothers you or you're not feeling good about it, you know, come in and talk to somebody about it. Yeah, I think that's the thing that um, typically Mm-hmm. Now, especially in this new role as chaplain for the fire department and first responders and all that stuff, we understand that kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. Most people, even when we see military, we're like, man, that, and we kind of equate it to, yeah, they need to go get some help. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know how they deal with all that, but them jokers need to get some help. Mm-hmm. Where I woke up to it as a close friend that honestly, when he told me his trauma, I was like, that's your trauma? And that to me, not in, I didn't say it out loud in my mind, but you're exactly right. To him, it was very hurtful and it was very real and he could not move past that. Mm-hmm. Now, I know your trauma and it is extremely difficult. I only say if someone is kind of working through that and you're going, oh, I don't know if it really ma- it matters if it matters to you. Yeah. <laughs> so no matter what someone else may judge or may think, it's like, Don't judge. Like, literally, if it's bugging you or holding you up, uh, you know, or hindering you is a better way, Mm -hmm. then what's the harm in going to talk to somebody to get a little freedom? Right. And and I'll say, too, like, working with the sex addiction community, 97% of those addicts have had some type of childhood emotional neglect. Right. And that's not necessarily what happened to you. It's what didn't happen to you. Yeah. Maybe you didn't feel heard or seen or valued or understood. Mm. And that can be very subtle, too, because most people are like, you know, a lot of some of those clients come in and they're like, we were in church every Sunday. Nobody drank. There was no domestic violence. Why am I addicted to porn? Right. I'm like, well, let's talk about your history. Sure. And it's because they did not feel emotionally connected. secure, connected. Yeah. Yeah. Because porn gives you a false sense of intimacy. Sure. You know. So it's this hot. And the reason I say that, I would say that, that would be a whole other topic. It is because I would say there's probably a lot of people in the church that struggle with pornography. Absolutely. Yes. But is I'll, it quiet? Is it personal? You can get away and sin alone. And then what I was going to say, in addition to that, there's a lot of people quietly suffering through their trauma. 
Yes. And they're trying. And I go back to all things where we are going to do a series on it. And I think Clint's going to come in and do a podcast too. Mm -hmm. He mentioned to uh, Daniel, they want to come in and we wanted, uh, all I'm trying to say is that as you're listening to this, I hope you would know that it's okay to mm-hmm. not be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And it is okay to say, I don't really know what I need to do. I just feel like I need to take a step. Mm-hmm. And you can call the church. You can call Clint. You can talk to any one of us. And we have a lot of experience with not being okay. And mm-hmm. we can say, hey, here's a resource for you. Here, Here's a, a way to go. And mm-hmm. that's why I was proud of you for being transparent last week and wanting to share and talk mm-hmm. about all these things. Because most of the time, it doesn't come across that way. It's like, oh, everybody's good. It's all good. Everything's going to be good. And my personality, as I've stated before, everybody goes, oh, you know, he's always. But the truth is, I'm only as happy as my spouse to mm-hmm. become one. So when you're hurting, I'm hurting. Same yeah. with our kids. I'm That's like what going, I was just about to say. Like, all right, let me figure out what I can do. And I can't fix it. The hardest part for a spouse, a spouse or someone you care about, even with Scott, is I can't fix him. So it was like, I'm going to give you the tools that are in front of you. Here are the resources. And for us as a church, we're going, we're going to pay for some of that Mm -hmm. to take an obstacle, remove some obstacles Mm -hmm. that help you to get to where you need to go. Uh, And this this podcast is hopefully one of those obstacles. It's like, hey, knock down that. We're we're with you. We we can help you. We got your back. Lenita's normal. She even laughed at Justin. She knows he's not right. (laughs) So, you know, like you can have some relationships where you begin to go, okay, I can get some help and there is a future for me. Yes, and I would just say this too, is that it helps you be a better mom, a better wife, a better friend, a better minister, employee, because you're starting to feel better about yourself and then you can give more, serve more, help more, because you feel like you have something. You're not empty. Yeah, and I just go back to so many stories in my mind and people in my mind and circumstances that would benefit from Lenita or Clint mm-hmm. or whoever, Whitney, you can name them all off. But the problem is there's some reason they're hesitant to go. I'm hoping this podcast will remove some of that hesitancy. Yeah, the you'll, stigma. Yeah, you'll just <laughs> go, stigma. hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I, I need to go talk if to Angie somebody. and Scott can do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Anybody can do it. We're kind of normal. Yeah, and on that note, too, there's a lot of people that don't go because they saw a counselor and maybe it wasn't the right fit. Had a bad right. experience. Yeah. So if you go to a counselor and it and it's not a right fit, or maybe they not you know they say something you don't necessarily agree with. I've or, heard that. It's like church. Yeah. I was just going to say it's just church like church. They didn't yeah. like the guy. Yeah. 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 So then Look, there's a lot don't out give there. Up yeah. Up but my yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Go to another counselor. Go to an, you know find somebody that fits you mm-hmm. because I've seen a lot of counselors in my life and not all were great. Yeah. You know, there's, but, you know, luckily I've had many that were very good. So just continue to find somebody that fits you. Yeah. And also that fits your needs. Like if you have PTSD, then you need to somebody, you know, you need to talk to somebody that has experience with that. You don't, you don't have PTSD and go see a family counselor because that counselor can only help so much. You need to see somebody with a specific area in which you're struggling yeah, with. That's good. Yeah, I definitely second that because you, you wouldn't go to your dentist for chemo, right? Right. So that, that's, that's why, like, Sex addiction, for example, there's so much training that goes into that. Sure, yeah. You know, it's critical to see somebody that's specialized in that. Yeah. Also, trauma-informed care, that's another, another buzzword out there. And that says not what not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you. Yeah, that's... And that, so, I re- there is a book. And I yeah, think that's <laughs> there is a book. There is a book <laughs> that Lenita told me about that's that, called What Happened to You. It's by Oprah and some someone else. Um, Dr. Perry. 
Yeah. It really that's is a, a good book Perry. to listen to. It gives you an idea of what is happening in culture, too. I think that's why this couple was so adamant on injury as opposed to disorder. It happened to me. That's I was why. injured. It's the same and thing. And so they were personal on that. Like, don't call it this. I mean, it might be a disorder, but, like, I was injured. And I am, and I had no choice in that. Right. Like, uh, it's you like, were hurt. yeah, I was hurt, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna deal with that. And they're and seventy. Who hasn't been hurt? And they were in their seventies. Everybody. Where I give them credit, in their seventies, went to get it help. Yeah. Like not because you, you know, don't I mean, hear that like, that often. No, not that uh, age bracket. No. no. And they were very uh, transparent and helpful on that. So. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's give it up for Lanita. Lanita risked it all. Lanita, you risked it all to come into the gauntlet of the backstage with the Simple Church. You know, <laughs> it's not that. It's kind of bad. Do you yeah. feel like we did okay? Uh, y'all did fantastic. Well, did, hey. did we cover Do you feel we like we, you got all your words out, Lanita? Because <laughs> yeah. you got a long list. We can come back. I mean, <laughs> we could always do a. How much time we can you do got? Follow up yeah. to the follow up. We'll do a, a follow part up. Two. Yeah, because we try to keep. This would be actually that would be part three because this is part two. Yeah. Yeah. See, well, I just want to say thank you. I'm proud of you, Angie. I love you. Thank you, Justin. Lenita, I'm very supportive. thankful for you. Thank okay. you for helping yes, our family. So thank you yeah, guys thanks for, for coming this. on. Yes, you are the best. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming in. <laughs> she risked it, son. She risked it. Uh, man, that girl, you know she's married to somebody in the Army. She came in ready, She's son. tough. She's, she's from a family. Thanks a lot to throw me. <laughs> if you worked in uh, New York, you can handle us. Pretty that's for much. sure. Yeah. Manhattan, that ain't no picnic. No. Yeah. All right. We love you. Thank Till y'all. next time. Thank y'all. Peace. Peace. Peace.